Good Sunday morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning and dedicated to being in right relationship with ourselves, with one another, and with this planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. In the spirit of that heritage, we greet the divine in one another. If you have comments, please let us greet one another in your comments. And if you come from far away from Austin, just let us know where you're watching from. I invite you to join me as we say our chalice lighting words together. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning is from 19th century transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson. A person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will come out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful about what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Loosen, loosen, baby, you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, you don't have to carry the weight of the world in your muscles and bones. Let go. Let go, let go. Holy breath and holy name. Will you ease, will you ease this pain? Holy breath and holy name. Will you Will you ease this pain? Loosen, loosen, baby, and hold on. You don't have to carry the weight in your muscles and bones. Let go, let go, let go. Loosen, loosen, baby, and hold on. Let go, let go. Loose, loose, baby. 
Congregation has a mission statement that guides all of our decisions. You can use it as your own mission statement as well if you like. We wrote it on the wall of our sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday. Together we nourish souls. We transform lives and do justice to build the beloved community. Every Sunday after we say our mission statement, we have a moment for beloved community. And since this is Pride Month, I thought I would tell you a little bit about LGBT and Q. Now, I could talk for a whole hour about this, and I probably will on our Pride Sunday in August. But for right now, I'll just say that there are many, many similarities among gay trans, queer people, bisexual people, there are also many differences. The whole cultures among the different cultures of gay men are, are marked, marked differences. The differences between the cultures of lesbians are marked differences among the similarities. There are many differences among bisexual people, many of whom you would assume in our society because they are married or with uh, people of the opposite gender or as opposite as you can get uh, in our definitions of genders, um, you might not know that a friend of yours is bisexual just because they're married to a person of another gender. I just want to say in here, I'm going to say things awkwardly, and I'm probably going to get things wrong. And we're all scared of doing that. But we're all going to do it. And you don't have to descend into a spiral of shame if you get something wrong. If someone is kind enough to point out to you that you got something wrong, you can just say, thank you for pointing that out. My bad. I'll try to do better in the future now that I know. You don't have to die from it. Okay, now, the T part. We have many trans beloveds, and they have been under attack in a pretty concentrated way, especially the young ones, in our Texas legislative session. They are also victims of phobias of all kinds from people who are not trans, i.e., what we call those is our um, cisgendered, C-I-S, cisgendered people are people who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. And it's heart-rending to read that when some trans people were asked what they would do, what they, they would dream of doing if the world were cisgendered free for 24 hours, what would they dream of doing? And their dream was, among many of them, to go swimming, just to go swimming in a bathing suit. 
and not be exposed to the glances and the judgment and the gaze of cisgendered folks who do not understand. Q is for queer, and that is a word also that among the LGBTQ community, uh, different people have different opinions about it. Some people just call themselves queer because it just means, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be in any category. I'm not in your dominant category, and I'm not in any of the other categories. I'm queer. That's all you need to know. So what I want you to think about doing during this Pride Month is doing some research. Do some research about uh, Stonewall riots. Do some research about the AIDS epidemic, which during this last plague, almost no one mentioned that the gay community lost such an enormous percentage of their population. And the black community right now is suffering from the scourge of AIDS, which is not as much of a death sentence as it was before, but it's still, you don't want to have it. And you don't want to spread it to other people. And it would be great if it would go away without the people suffering from it going away. Anyway, I'm sure I've said something wrong, but and I apologize, and I would love to know what it is. But what I want to do is encourage all of us to increase our knowledge during this Pride Month about the L's and the G's and the B's and the T's and the Q's. And I know there are also IA on the other side of it, and they are not unimportant. It's just that I don't know enough right now to say anything coherent um, on that matter. And we'll talk about it all in August on our Big Gay Sunday. Our big lesbian Sunday, our big bisexual Sunday, our big transgender Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. Our big queer Sunday. Mevlana Rumi was a 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic whose influence transcends national borders and ethnic divisions. His poetry not only influenced the literature of Persia, but also the literary traditions of the Ottoman Turkish, Chagatai, Urdu, Bengali, and Pashto languages. These are his words. Be a lamp, a lifeboat, a ladder. Help someone's soul heal. Walk out of your house like a shepherd. Let us now enter into a time of meditation and prayer together where we speak or listen to the divine mystery as we understand it or them. Where we listen to the wisdom that's inside of us, always bubbling up, giving us hints, giving us direction. Where we watch our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter into what Ralph Waldo Emerson said was the wise silence together.
You are invited to light a candle of joy or sorrow, hope, remembrance, or determination. Before I begin this morning, I would like to say a warm hello to our cousin, our sister, our brother church in Victoria, Texas this morning. We're so glad you're there and congratulations on signing up Kaya Hartwood as your contract minister. What you believe shapes what you think about and what you think about shapes your actions and your actions shape your entire life they shape your relationships they shape your work your actions shape the whole of what happens to you in your life maybe not the whole of it but a good bit of it it's shaped by your actions the buddha talked about two kinds of thoughts Thoughts which lead to happiness and thoughts which lead to pain. Which ones do we want to do? Well, Buddhism assumes that people want to be happy. And the 
Buddhist thought has been organized by Buddhist teachers in various ways into an eight-fold path. It's kind of a wheel rather than a path that's linear in any way because you work on all of the things at once. And we talked about right view last time. And that is understanding the way things work, getting it, that most people have pain in our lives. But we add to the suffering on top of that pain by telling ourselves stories about why it's happening or why shouldn't it be happening or why isn't it happening to someone else? Why is it happening to us? Or what did we do? What did we not do? All of those stories increase our suffering over our pain. And so your suffering is caused by the stories you tell about your pain. And a lot of your suffering, he said, is caused by grasping onto an idea of how things should be and getting upset when they're not that way. So that's right view. Do you get it? Do you get how things work? The next step on the path that we're talking about is right intention. How do you set your intention so that you get to happiness? Many of you know that I am completely addicted to watching movies about people climbing Everest. I do not want to climb Everest. I just want to watch other people climb Everest. And one of the things they do, either they do it for themselves or the people who are Sherpas who are helping them, their their helpers on the mountain, will fix ropes that they can hang on to. So in case there's a blizzard or a whiteout or you can't even lift your head up to see where you should go next, you've got this rope right there that if you keep following it, it's going to take you to where you want to go. That's your intention. You, you've fixed a rope on your path so that you will get to where you want to go. So the intentions are... Um, in everyone's life. You have intentions. It's good to be aware of your intentions, which many of us are not aware of. Now, Marilyn Monroe said, I just want to be wonderful, which I think is a great intention. And I think it probably shaped her life. Other people want to be Beloved, or they want to be admired, or they want to be respected, or they want to be feared, or they want to be wealthy, or they want to be secure, or they want to be helpful. And those are intentions. You can have more than one in your life, but they're like your North Star that you steer by. Those are your intentions. That's your fixed rope. If you want to understand what your real intentions are, A wonderful writer named Martha Beck says in a book called Steering by Starlight, she says, you ask yourself, what then? So you go, I really want to be successful in this work. What then? Well, then I will have this work for a long time. What then? Well, then I will have a steady income. What then? Well, then I will have enough money to do the things I want to do. Okay. What then? Well, then I won't feel fearful in my life. What then? Well, then I can relax and not be anxious every day. 
And then Martha Beck would say, so your, your intention is to relax and not be fearful every day. Perhaps there are other ways to get there than to do well in this job and, and have enough money. Not a bad intention, but it's good to be aware of what your real intention is. Not to do well in this job, just for itself, but to be less fearful and anxious on a day-to-day basis. So what are your real intentions? One time we did a worship service where everybody took a paper plate and wrote as if it were a compass. You know, this is my highest value. This is my second highest, third highest, fourth highest. These are my four compass points that I want to to honor in my life. And it might have been truth or joy or or helpfulness or love. And so those are your compass points. It's good to know what your compass points are, what your intentions are. Where are they leading you? The Buddha suggests that um, you start with three intentions. If you don't have any, these are the ones that Buddhism suggests. One, that you understand that greed and craving and desire cause fear and suffering, so you make an intention to renounce desire. That word doesn't mean something you want in a beautiful, wholesome way. It means something you're clutching at or craving. To renounce desire doesn't mean, as far as I understand it, a white lady who did not grow up Buddhist, trying to understand her fascination with Buddhism um, from my perspective and my limited amount of reading. Not a Buddhist scholar. But my understanding is that word doesn't necessarily mean desire in a wholesome, joyful way. It means craving and clutching in a way where if, if something that you intend to do, something that you want to have happen, is ripped out of your, out of your world, then you can... rebalance yourself into joy and peace. So, it's not that you don't have to care about anything. It's not that you sit in your backyard and go, I don't care about anything. I've renounced desire. No. You still care. You still love. You still want, right? Because we want happiness. You don't clutch. I've told you before about the wonderful Blake poem that I love that says, He who binds to himself a joy doth the winged life destroy, but who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. We don't clutch at joy. We kiss it as it flies. So, the second intention after renouncing craving is that we intend to have goodwill toward all beings. Now, that is an intention that might lead a number of people different ways. You have goodwill toward all beings. That might, that might mean that you spend your life working with 
animals who are suffering. Or it might mean that you spend your life researching how to take plastics out of the ocean. It might mean that you spend your life in any number of ways. What does having goodwill toward all beings mean for you? And you don't have to know right away. You just live with these intentions, breathe into them, and they will show you what they mean for you. The last intention is to do no harm. That seems like a pretty simple one. None of us wants to do harm. But what if we find out that we've we've been doing harm by something that we've been believing or saying or talking about how willing are we to change what if we find out that we've been doing harm by being over controlling can we let go what if we find out we've been doing harm or what if what if our conscience tells us suddenly that we've been doing harm by by eating the animals we Do we become vegan? Some people are going to. Because that's what that do no harm leads them to do. What does do no harm mean for you? These are not rules. These are guides, suggestions, invitations is how I like to think about them the best. Buddhism doesn't say, do this or you're bad. It says, try this and see if it makes you happier. That seems like a lot better approach to me. Some of us set our intentions very early in life because of some kind of experience or another. We go, I'm never going to trust another human being again because somebody disappointed me. Or we say, I'm never going to expect good things again because you just disappointed I'm never going to think anything good of myself because somebody just told me that I couldn't sing or that I I couldn't draw and somebody told me that I looked clumsy when I danced so I'm never going to dance again or somebody told me that in our family we never amount to anything. Those are intentions. Those are those are twisted intentions that are set so early in life. And one of the ways that we can free ourselves from those is by just examining them to see if they're really true. If we desire never to be disappointed again, we can ask ourselves, okay, what's on the other side of that desire? Let me, let me go a couple of steps further. If I never am going to be disappointed again, then I'm not going to fall in love. I'm not going to trust anybody again. Let me let me go a couple steps beyond that. Am I? I'm going to just be a grumpy old, non-trusting, misanthropic person the rest of my life. That's not the life I want. It's very simple when it comes to having donuts for dinner. In my world, I think I have a thought. I just want to have donuts for dinner. And then I think, okay, let me think a couple steps farther after that desire. How am I going to feel in 10 minutes after that? I'm like, I'll be feeling great. I'm flying high on sugar. 
<laughs> well, how will I feel like 10 days after that? Oh, I'm just going to feel like, man, that was a mistake. I think I hurt myself. And 10 years after that, if I do that a lot, I'm going to think, you know what? I've hurt myself. This is this is not good for me. I, I don't want to treat myself like this. So you think about after afterward this desire if you want to have an affair with somebody um, I know it's a powerful feeling but you have to think beyond that you have to think okay like if I have this affair um, am I going to be able to stay married are they going to be able to stay married if they're married and partnered um, do I do I want to try to negotiate some kind of Permission with my current partner to do this? Uh, do they want to? Is this going to lead to a, a breakup or a divorce? Um, then what's going to happen to the rest of the people around me? I mean, you just ask yourself questions. And it might turn out that you go, yeah, I'm in a terrible marriage. I'm going to have this affair. And I hope somebody finds out because I want to knock this thing off the dead center and um, make myself a different life. Well, yeah, y- yes, it will do that. But you could also knock it off a dead center and make a different life without that. It just depends. It's not bad. You're not bad. What's going to lead to happiness? Not the sense of being oppressed and that you have to stay in the same relationship your entire life. In the sense of what's going to make your life joyful and a delight. So you think about your intentions. You think about your desires and you, you think them through. And what the Buddhist teachers say is if you think them through, <coughs> then your desires... Your cravings will just fall away like autumn leaves. Um, That has been my experience with some of my cravings. Donuts for dinner, for example. That falls away like autumn leaves. I think, no, I don't don't even want to go there. But you want to be content. Content. And nobody can just do it with a snap of their fingers. You have to practice. And that's what this Eightfold Path is about. You practice. You practice having non-harming thoughts, non-violent thoughts. You practice having goodwill toward other people. You practice wanting good things for everybody. Just to see if it works. We all want to be happy and that's good. I want you to be happy. May it be so. I invite you to join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. 
Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.